Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing. You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s, and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me, on the mic, hosting an episode where I share recent reflection or story from my own life, as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. Today on the show, I am so excited to be chatting with the one and only Maddie Mayo. Maddie is the co-founder of Camber, co-host of the OKSIS podcast, and the host of the new video podcast series, 36 Questions Later. The series features four blind dates where strangers ask each other the 36 questions that lead to love. The questions date back to a 1997 study and went viral in a New York Times article. In this new series, Maddie finds out how the experiment holds up today. You can follow along by checking out 36 Questions later on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And we will obviously link these in the description slash show notes. I can't wait to chat with her and have her interview me today, which we'll get into in a sec. On Dear 20-something, please welcome Maddie Mayo. Hey, Maddie. Hello. Oh, hey, girl. Hi, Erica. Oh, hey. I feel like- Okay, so fun fact. Yeah, should we like tell our history? Yeah, I feel like I want you to do it because you're the host now, right? <laughs> right. So, <laughs> hi, welcome to Dear 20-something. I am the host, Maddie Mayo, and I'm here to guide you. And I always love being on someone else's podcast because I feel like I can just like, the pressure's off, I can sit back, I can relax, you know? So, we both met at Jewish Sleepaway Camp, Camp Ross Kramer, shout out, you were a camper. What, I mean, what year was this? Okay, here's the thing. I heard your name before I met you because my, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but my counselors had you as a camper before they had me. Oh, what? And you were a legend and they wouldn't stop talking about Maddie Mayo. And we kept being like, it's just like imaginary cousin of Max. Right. So my cousin was in your grade, whatever. And then so I don't know, we we crossed paths somehow at camp, even though I'm much older. And then then we kind of reconnected in the tech. But no, we reconnected at USC. And then just paths just kept crossing. And then now tech in LA. Now so tech like, in LA. We've been at like events at the same time. And like she has this great company, Camber. And so she hosts these great walk clubs, which I'm going to, by the way, this weekend. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Yay. I'm excited. Pal and I are coming. Shout out Pal. She listens to like every episode. Oh my God, Pal. So you and I go back. We go back to childhood. We go back to like, you know, I was thinking about Like teenagehood. Yeah. But I was thinking like true adolescence and like true moments that shaped who I was. I was doing this kind of like, I don't know, childhood memory, meditation, whatever. And it prompted me to go back to like, what was a moment in your childhood that was like so pure and you felt so authentic and so yourself? And my immediate reaction was camp. Like that, if I could tap back into that energy and that playfulness and that freedom, 
oh my God, like I miss that girl. And so I always think back to summer camp. All the Jews listening will totally get it. It's like there's something about Jewish summer camp that just, it shapes you. Oh, totally. You know what I think about too sometimes? Like, so you and I will sometimes joke about this and a lot of also Jews will understand. I have a lot of anxiety now. And I think that just comes with being like very type A. And it's like something I've realized about myself. I'm like, okay. But when I was at camp, there was no, I didn't even know what the word anxiety was. I would just like play and like literally like I would like make bracelets, friendship bracelets and like sing songs at night and dance. Like what? And like laugh. What happened? What, What did we go wrong? Like what the fuck? Like why don't we do that? I know. And you want to know something really sad. So for all the listeners who don't know, our camp actually burned down. I know. It's really Which bad. is really devastating. And even worse, this is like some tea. I, they won't care that I'm sharing this, but I guess it's been going like really downhill. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> what do you like mean? In, ever since the camp, I mean, it's kind of expected, like ever since the camp burned down, obviously they've had to host it at different places. Yeah. And I think like leadership changes and like maybe there's like some stuff going on. But like, I guess one or two of like leaderships ago, which is like the final year, they had like only 30 people or like 20 people or something crazy. No, like I think it was like 25 when you blended both of the camps. Oh my God. It's so random, but I ran into my old camper in a bathroom in Santa Monica. Oh my God, okay. And now she's a counselor, obviously. She's like the oldest counselor or whatever, the final year. And she was like, yeah, what, how weird is life? And she, I literally ran into her and she was like, oh yeah, it's gone way downhill. Basically this year when I was a counselor, there were like, you know, three campers for every one counselor. Like it was just like ridiculous. And it's not the camp that we used to know and love. I know. That's that's really devastating to hear. I'm also so surprised that not some like high net worth Malibu resident yeah, is not too. just funding and to rebuild. The, what? Like what? They're part of Wilshire Boulevard temples. There are some rich people that can rebuild that camp. Like what's going on there? I think it's permitting. I think it just like all takes a long time. I think it's bureaucracy because there's like plenty of rich people, but I think... Yeah, I think it's bureaucracy. I also think a lot of people, like this girl was joking. She was like, I'm going to start my own camp one day. I think she, there was like a like a issue with the leadership. So I don't know. But anyway, very sad. We can reminisce, but it's not that way anymore. Okay. Well, at least it's something that is in, we can at least like revisit in our heart. it in our hearts and ourselves, you know. But honestly, it's the essence. It's what it represented in us and like, I think we could tap back more into that energy of that, like, just playfulness, like, just so at ease, hanging out with friends. Like, I want to get it, like, more into that this year. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think there's also some of these, like, adult summer camp things that I find, like, with what time, I don't know, you and I have. But, (laughs) like, it seems awesome to, like, go play cornhole and, like, meet adults, like... Dude. I don't know. Dude. We'll see. We'll anyway. see. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's get I, in. I want to do your questions. I mean, yeah. honestly, like, this is going to be the... Br- we're going to get deep, which I'm, I oh am on God. board for. Are you on board for? Yeah. Okay, let's see. Yeah, I am. I think, like, this is something I'm... It's I've really struggled with being vulnerable, but it's something that, like, in the past year really worked on. I will say you actually have really inspired me on that journey. Because you are so open and so vulnerable and... A little too much. (laughs) No, it's amazing. And I think like sometimes I've been like public but private. And so I've worked on being a little bit more like let my guard down, like in the past year especially. So yeah, I'm willing to go there. 
Okay, let's we'll do see. it. Also, I, just, so. I think I think if you're going to go there at any time, it's going to be on a podcast, you know? So I think this is like yeah. a safe space for this. With the podcast queen, Miss Maddie Mayo, which shout out, she's a very successful podcast. Okay, sis. Yeah. Shout out you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so what we're going to do, as you so beautifully introduced me in the beginning, I have this new video podcast series with my boyfriend, Ben, that we created. And it basically is putting the 36 questions that lead to love to a test with strangers. And it's this really cool video series. And we filmed literally strangers on blind dates. It was very fascinating. I was like in the back, like watching, like hiding. It was so, it was so surreal. And we then like follow up with them a month later to see if they actually fell in love. So everyone should go binge it. All the episodes are out, but I have been going on these podcasts because I love the questions and they really bring out something in, in people. I mean, we'll see if we'll fall in love. I mean, we might by the end of this, so we'll, we'll see. But I just, they lead to such beautiful conversations and topics. So let's get into it. Are you ready for the first question? I am so ready for the first question. And fun fact, my love language is words of affirmation. I'm not surprised. I used to go up to like family members and like ask them questions about me, like what they loved about me and stuff. So this is like really up my alley. (laughs) I know. I'm like, don't touch me, but just like tell me I'm so beautiful and smart and amazing. Like I don't, yeah, I'm totally the same. Okay. What would constitute a perfect day for you? Ooh, I love this question. So I'm going to give a shout out. I don't think he's listening, but to Pat Dossett, if you are. He was a former boss of mine, one of my favorite humans ever. This is his actually favorite question. Oh, wow. And he loves asking people this one too. Yep. And this is what he asked me to interview me when I was going to join him. So whenever I hear this question, it reminds me of him. Perfect day. So I think, you know, it's funny. Like there's the perfect day that I remember. Like when you asked, like you were talking about when were you playful and young and had no stress, you think of camp. I have like a perfect day that I look back on. And then I have a perfect day like for now. So I'll do both. The perfect day I look back on, I was with my sister and my best friend, you know, Lindsay, and you know, Danielle. And the three of us decided we were going to backpack through Europe one summer. And it was the like carefree, like we were excited about like traveling and food and boys and each other. And it was just the best summer ever. And I remember vividly, we were in Switzerland. And we were like in the middle of the Swiss Alps. It was summer. And it was like the Swiss Alps in summer, if you've never been, are like the greenest of green. And it's absolutely beautiful. And I remember we were staying at this little inn. And they had like a very small like jacuzzi in the back. It was like a tub jacuzzi. And we decided to go in this jacuzzi at like maybe 5 or 6 p.m., And we brought like ice cold beers in the jacuzzi, which I don't drink now, but at the time an ice cold beer when you're like young in Europe is fun. And we were joking and laughing in this jacuzzi in the middle of Switzerland and it started raining, but like a light drizzle, not like an annoying rain, but like a light drizzle. And we kept laughing and laughing. And I just remember like in that moment, I haven't had a moment like that since where I was like, this is the perfect moment. Like, this is like the happiest I've ever been. Like, I'm with my two of my favorite people in the world in one of those beautiful places, drinking like in like a hot jacuzzi with a cold beer, you know? I have no cares in the world. It was just the happiest moment. So whenever I think about like my perfect moment, I imagine myself in that jacuzzi and like laughing. I haven't had a moment like that since. It's almost like when time stops. I think now my mind's always spinning. I don't let it stop. And then I'd say now, what's a perfect day? What's a perfect day? I mean, I will say I'm in a place in my life where I really love being independent and on my own. And I really can make myself happy. 
So I'd say a perfect day starts like wake up, go to like a coffee shop that I love, like close by, get myself like a great breakfast and maybe it's like a bagel or something and a like, you know, iced coffee, iced tea, something. Maybe go to the beach and read, listen to music, just have time with myself and my own thoughts, start the morning slow. Then maybe I'll get like lunch with some family, maybe grandfather, mom, some cousins. And then what will I do? Maybe I'll like see a movie or like a really good, I know you and I share love for like rom-coms. Maybe I'll I'll see like a really good new rom-com I haven't seen before. That's like really good. And then maybe I'll eat some good dumplings. And then maybe, I don't know what my night looks like. Maybe it's just time with friends, time with more family, time with the people, and then go to bed in my own place. And I think it's very simple. And I actually am fortunate in that I do get to spend that those perfect days, those perfect simple days, a lot now. Like my life is, is conducive to that Saturday sometimes. I love that. So every time I ask this question, I am amazed and also delighted that people keep it very local and keep it very simple, right? I'm, I'm the same way. Like my immediate reaction is go to Malibu, sit on the beach, go to Chundi coffee shop, just leisurely go about my day, spend time with friends and family. And it's like going to a new restaurant that I love. And then a rom-com hundred percent, which is so interesting because I do that a lot anyways. So it's really beautiful that I'm prioritizing those perfect days. And I'm not imagining myself in a scenario that is so unattainable or something that is just, you know, not even in the realm of what I would do. And so I'm so happy that people gravitate towards things that are like already present in their lives. That's really special. And that's a, a, it takes a lot of awareness and gratitude to be like, Oh, yeah, I already have the perfect life and the perfect blessings around me at my disposal, you know? I I completely agree. And I think like how lucky are we that we also both get to be near family and that we get to live in a place where we can go outside every day of the year and that we have like the means to be able to like buy a bagel and buy a coffee and like buy a movie ticket. And I think for it's like I think it's a combination for me of like appreciating the simple things and being grateful, but then also like we've worked hard and like we've positioned ourselves in a place where we can do that. Like we can't take a Saturday. We can't take a Sunday. And a lot of people can't do that. And, you know, a lot of it is luck, of course. But I know that's really what I'm, it's, I'm not surprised we have similar perfect days. Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. Duh. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. This one is interesting. If you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be? I will say I really love how I was raised. I'm so grateful. So I was raised with a single mom and a twin sister. So there's three girls. That must have been so fun. The best. The best. Heaven. Heaven. We're still best friends. We call ourselves the Three Musketeers. We now have a new boy in the mix. My sister's getting married. Oh, yeah. So, I know. Greg is part of our family now. So, shout out, Greg. I don't want you to think we're forgetting you. But this question's about how I was raised and Greg was not there. So, (laughs) I think if I could change one thing, this is a little revealing, but I'll try to be respectful. So I actually had a falling out with a family member, like a husband and wife in my family that I was raised very close to. And we had a falling out like maybe like three years ago. And, you know, it's funny, like 
I feel like part of being in your 20s, which is relevant for the show, is a lot of like coming of age and like realizing and like having consciousness and like realizing people are flawed and like realizing what's right and what's wrong and who you want to surround yourself with and who you don't. And I think it was like a pretty wild awakening for me to realize I didn't want these two people in my life anymore because I was raised so close to them. Like I was raised, like saw them almost daily, definitely weekly, sometimes daily. And so I like had this realization like, oh my God, I don't need to have these people, which was obviously a long time coming and all these things. But, you know, in some ways I'm really grateful that like I went through that and I kind of came out the other side and I'm strong and I'm grateful and all that. But sometimes I wish like maybe I didn't have to like be around them as much as I was. Like I I turned out fine, but if I could change one thing, maybe it's just like there was just more distance growing up with them and I didn't have to be exposed. So you don't, you're not in contact with them any uh, today at all? At all. As of three years ago. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's, that is tricky because it's, and this question always trips me up because the reason things happen is why you are who you are today, right? Everything that happens to you, regardless of if it's considered good or bad for your development has shaped you and literally brought you to where you are. So there's this question kind of as like regret sprinkled in a little bit, which, which is just a tough, like, scenario to come to come to terms with. Like, for me, I typically say, you know, mental health, my sister has bipolar disorder. So she her mental health was very prioritized, which is obviously like that had to happen. There was no other, you know, alternative. Also, my it's, it's no fault of my parents. I mean, our parents didn't grow up with mental health being part of the conversation. So really my mental health was put on the back burner, but not for any, I was just always considered the happy, funny one. And so as I grew up, it kind of all came to a crash. (laughs) And I then started to go to therapy and realize like, oh, wow, like there is a lot to uncover here. I was sweeping a lot of things under the rug. And so I think that's the only thing I would change is like, really having mental health be more part of the conversation growing up or me being put in therapy and going through that process a little earlier so that it didn't have to all fall and crash. (laughs) Honestly, like right after college, I remember that was like a pivotal point where just it felt like everything that had been swept under the rug was like coming to the surface. I'm sorry to hear that. I think that is a common family dynamic when there are two in a lot of ways, one is more this and one is more that. And when it comes to things like mental health and you feel like you you have to be the happy one, you have to not stress people out, that can really weigh on you. And I can see they're feeling like, because I know your sister is struggling with bipolar disorder, that that's something that's like been an ex- like a more extreme part of her life. It almost also feels like you can't have mental health issues that are like a little bit or just like, right. you know, there's exactly. like a little annoyance. It's like either like all or nothing. Yeah, yeah that's a good and answer. That, yeah, and that's that's, I think, I, I'm so grateful to be in this generation because I love that we're all so open about it and we realize that, yeah, mental health is not just reserved for people with mental illness. These tools and these actions are available to people who don't have a mental illness. Like they're, we're human. Like we need, we need these tools just as much. So that would be the only thing I would change. You know, what's interesting too is I've been doing a lot of research on this recently because I'm just like really passionate about it as a person. But like a lot of founders, and I say this because you and I are both like in the like building phases right now, struggle with their mental health 
Like if you look at the stats, it's like if the regular population, like 5% is ADHD, like with founders, it's like 50% or like the regular population is like 10% or bipolar founders. It's like 80. Like, I don't know the numbers of course, but it's always significantly more dramatic with founders. And so I think about that too. And I'm like, well, yes, it maybe would have been amazing for you to be able to balance and have more tools for your mental health, which I think anyone would say that's great. You should always have tools. I would also argue that like maybe the more extremes or like the mental health things that you've experienced have actually led you to be such a great founder. Same with your sister. Your sister is a founder. She started her own agency. So it's just so, it's so hard to like look back and want to change things like you said, or like have regrets or want to be differently. Because like in a lot of ways, I think actually like your interest, I won't say obsession, but your strong interest in mental health now because I know you, I know you've been spending so much time on this, has actually helped so many other people and I think made you an even better founder. You might've been more neutral about it if things were better, like when you were growing up. You might've like already had the tools and not be something you thought about ever and therefore never thought you had to share with your audience and therefore never think you need to like incorporate into being a founder. And that's how I think about things because it's also like, it can be sad to think about like, what if I were different? It Totally, totally. And yeah, I feel like at the moment it was super painful you know, there was one instance really that like led me to therapy. And at the moment, it felt so painful and so heavy. And now I look back and I'm like, Oh, my God, thank God for that. Like, thank God that happened, because then I would have never got into therapy. So if you start to view life that way, where you look back at those moments that you thought were so dark and so deep, like, it brought you to this light, like it brought you to what you uncovered on the other end. And like, that is so beautiful, you know? So it's, and then it reminds, it helps me in times when I feel obviously darkness when it comes to being a founder, it's a good reminder of like, oh, hey, like remember that time where you were feeling this way and then it was 10 times better on the other side or like you came out on like on top on the other side. Like you just have to remember that when you're when you're in that space, you know? A thousand percent. A thousand percent. As you're saying that now, I'm like, my th- I'm thinking about all the shitty things and like how much better it was after. Totally. It's a good practice. It it's a really good practice. Yeah. It's I a agree. trust muscle, right? It's like, it's you building that trust with yourself where you say, hey, this, I have a track record of, oh, when I'm in this darkness, look at what happened right after. And just when you see those patterns in your life, it's easier than to manage the darkness when it comes, you know? Completely agree. Love it. Okay. Next one. This is a great one. And I'm really excited to hear your your answer because you are a very ambitious woman. Is there something you've dreamed of doing for a long time and why haven't you done it? Ooh. Because like you're the type of person in my eyes that if you want to do something and dreamed of it, like you do it. So I'm curious just to hear what you say. I'll give the like light answer and the deep answer. I'm trying to push myself here. The light answer is, I ask myself this question all the time and I just made the decision several months ago to do the thing. That's like the light answer is like, I always wanted to start my own thing full time. I've had like lots of businesses on the side and I've like built other people's, like I've been second employee twice. Like I've built other people's things. But I was always like, when am I going to do the like full-time builder thing? Like the thing that I want to build. And I always was like, I just need more time, more experience, more people. And I made the leap like a few months ago. So I would have given you that answer. I think that that's the thing. Something else that I've been wanting to do that I haven't done. 
I would say it's probably just like, like on the relationship side of things. Like I don't talk about this stuff that much, but I'm so comfortable on my own and I'm so independent and I adore my life. I would say like, Maybe something that I've like thought about doing that I've been putting off is like actually opening myself up to like meeting someone again. Like Maddie knows I was in a relationship for a very long time. We're not together anymore. Haven't been for a few years, but like just haven't at all prioritized like that. And like, it's something that I know eventually I want to do. I don't know if that's, I don't think that's anytime like right now, but that's something that I've been like putting off that I do want to do at some point. That's the deep answer, but I don't know when. Yeah. It's interesting. My creator friend, Kenzie Elizabeth, actually had just posted something like that where she said that she she loves her life and she like literally can't imagine a man being inserted into it or like how that would fit in. And I just have never, I never had heard about it that way or, or I'd recognized it. And I think a lot of women feel this way. And there's this fatigue with dating and with the, the state of dating these days that women are more and more just so comfortable on their own. But honestly, you don't need to rush into anything like that. I think in the moment that it feels you feel pulled to it, that will happen. But I think it's also like a societal pressuring, right? Yeah, I think I, you know, I don't even think about it. And like, I don't date, like, I don't, I don't even think about it. But my sister's getting married. One of my very best friends is getting, shout out to Pal from the beginning of the conversation, who's coming to the Camber Walk. She's getting married. You know, a lot of my close friends, you know, live with their partners. And so it's something that like is in the back of my mind, but like, I don't date. I don't think about it. I also like Kenzie, you don't have space. Like, I don't even know where I would make time for someone else. So yeah, I don't know. It's like, not like something that I'm like, I really think about that much. But like, when I really try to get deep about it, I'm like, what's something that I've been putting off that I would like to do at some point and why haven't I like just not ready or I just don't want to I don't know yeah it's totally fair what what about you what was your answer to this one I'm so yeah so this one I have like a couple answers one is and they're not like completely superficial like one is superficial of I want to start wearing my hair more naturally curly my hair looks fantastic today I will say this is like not the norm. I don't know what's going on right now. I do look fantastic. But it's a big insecurity of mine. And I've been very, I just don't want to be a slave to the straightener. And I just I also I feel much prettier when I have straight hair. I just want to be able to be authentic and natural. So I've been putting off like, you know, going to a curly hair specialist and like actually paying, you know, it's expensive. And I've been being like, Oh, it's not something I need right now. And I don't know, I've just been weirdly pushing it off. And then I just keep, I just keep straightening my hair. And it's, I don't know, but it feels like a deeper thing about my authenticity and who I am and being unique. And I don't know, that type of thing. I was literally, you're not going to believe me, but it's true. I wish you could read minds like one or two questions ago, you were talking and I was like, it's going to sound so superficial if I tell her that her hair looks amazing. So like, I'm just like I, not going to say it right now. <laughs> but like while she's talking, I literally was like, we're talking about something really deep. And I was like, her hair looks so insanely good right now. I literally thought this like maybe five to 10 so minutes ago in our conversation. Crazy. I don't I, I don't know what's, today I do look, I will say, like I look so good. Like this is looking great. 
I wish it was like this every day. But the thing about curly hair is like it so has a mind of its own and it can just one day look completely different. So I really want, I want to like, again, grow that trust muscle of showing up more naturally. And so that's just something I feel like I've, I've been putting off. And then another part is like, I've always had really crazy digestive is digestion issues and I've always made excuses or just thought like, oh, this is just how my life is. This is like I'm just gonna always be bloated and in pain. And I just know that when I unlock what is wrong, like everything else in my life is gonna just bloom. Like I'm gonna have so much more energy, focus, and I'm gonna feel so much more confident. And so I finally took the plunge and like hired a nutritionist and it was a huge, I mean, it's going to be very expensive, but it was, I, tr- I went back and forth and I was like, you know what? No, this is like, and this is an investment I need to make in my body and my health. And it's gonna pay back in tenfold because I'm going to be able to show up more for my business, for my family, for myself, you know? I'm so glad you're doing that. How'd you find the nutritionist? Like, see, this is the thing where I'm like, everyone has their own opinions on food. I grew up with two vegans. Oh, wow. I know. I have like my mom's voice in my head being like, tell her to cut out meat and dairy. Like she will. I'm like, how did you think about, how'd you find the nutritionist and like why that route? Because there's also all of the like, you could just play around with it yourself and test things and get like one of those tests at home, you know, the, was it Viome or something? I don't know. Yeah. I just know myself and I don't think, like I am disciplined in some regards, but I don't know if I would have been as disciplined about this. And I think, I feel as though I've tried so many things. And over the years, I've gotten blood tests and everyone's like, yeah, there's, you have no food sensitivities. So like we don't, or allergies, we don't know what's wrong with you. I was meeting up with this woman who we got connected through Camber and through the tech space. And we went to dinner and she was taking all these pills like before she was eating. And I was like, wait, what is, like, what are you doing? And she, and she was like, I have like crazy digestion. I'm like chronically bloated and yada, yada. All, listed all the same symptoms as I, I have. And so I was like, wait, I need to talk to this person. And she says, I feel world's, world's difference. Like, yes, it's expensive. A lot of the tests are out of pocket. A lot of the tests are like not covered by insurance, but it has just transformed my body, my life, my energy, everything. And so she brought me to her. And honest, I didn't really do that much more external research. I just felt, you know what, this, I trust this person. She's saying this. And so I just, I went for it. Wait, you're going to have to tell me how that goes. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. So I like both your, I mean, both your answers, obviously, you know, I'm obsessed with the hair now. And I also think more people, it's so weird. Like we have people that are experts that, you know, if your, your uh, pipes break, you get a plumber. If you're this breaks, you get that. Like, it's so weird to me that like with our bodies, we're just so, it's so expensive. We don't do yeah, it. It's we just so don't bad. do it. Yeah, I know. I mean, you might know him, my, my Twitter crush, Sahil Bloom. Do you follow of him? Course. Oh my God. I'm like, um, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't think I follow him, but yeah, he's great. Oh my God, you yeah. follow him. Like he's incredible. I know. I think his content comes up all the time. And like, I don't, maybe I should, I'll follow him. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I do follow him or I don't, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, he's fantastic. I love him so much, but he had whatever one newsletter. He's like the, one of the only newsletters that I read religiously. And in one of them, he had said that if it's ever an investment in myself, in my body, in my health, it's a non-negotiable. I don't even think about it. Put 
put the credit card. Like, but if it's, you know, a piece of clothing of this, like he'll take a couple days to think about it. You know, do I really need it? But if it's something that will help his mind, help his body that he feels called to like done, it's just, it, it is such a better investment than like a piece of clothing or something. So I, I like that framework. And so I, I've been kind of inspired by that. I like it. Here's my thing. Like we're founders. And so it's hard to like rationalize spending, which is a whole other conversation. Spending on your health as a founder, it's a whole other can of worms. But yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great framework. A hundred percent. Why, why do we hesitate when we invest in ourselves and we, instead of we buy clothes? Like it doesn't yeah. make sense. Totally. I love him. Yeah. I love him too. All right. Next up. We're going, it's going like deeper and deeper. When did you last cry in front of another person or by yourself? Oh, this weekend. That's easy. So this past weekend was the SVB crisis. Mm-hmm. And so when this podcast comes out, I feel like people, this will have been like a month ago or something, but this past weekend, I was with my sister and my family for a family wedding in Arizona. And I was like dealing with all the craziness from like my founder friends, my personal, like the founders I've invested in, like tr- like on calls with people trying to help, dealing with my own money. My money was tied up in SVB. And I was just like really trying to keep it together. And I was like trying to be really, there was like, obviously there's like the night before dinner and the rehearsal dinner and the wedding and the whatever. And this family and this couple are so beautiful and wonderful. And I wanted to be so present, but I definitely felt like in the back of my mind, like, just a lot of anxiety before Sunday when we found out that they were going to cover even above the 250. And so I think it was like, I don't remember what day. I don't remember if it was Saturday or it was Sunday. I think it was Saturday. It had to have been like Saturday. I was like doing work and like talking to people and like doom scrolling and making calls. And I remember my mom ran out to run errands. I was at the place by myself. My sister and her fiance were doing their bridesmaids and groomsmen duties or whatever, best man bridesmaid duties. And I was like at her place by myself and my mom called and was like, how are you doing? Something like that. And I was like sitting on the couch and I was like- Just everything. Everything. And I was just started crying and I was like, I don't think I'm doing okay. Like, I'm really scared. I'm really stressed. What does this mean for me? Like, what does this mean for them? How am I supposed to be present at this wedding, which I care so much about being present for? And it was like a whole thing. And so luckily my mom, like all moms do, or most moms do, she calmed me down and she was like, it's okay, I'll come back. We'll like, we'll go get like a Jamba Juice or a Starbucks or something and it'll be okay. And she really calmed me down. But yeah, I think like I definitely like, I'm like a people pleaser in some ways, especially when it comes to family and friends. Like I don't want to always like let them know on my bad days or like be anything but smiley and cheery and happy. And so it felt like very selfish to like seem stressed or not seem whatever. And so, yeah, I think it just all bubbled. That was my last cry. Yeah. I mean, that's 100% valid. I feel very fortunate that Camber's money was not in SVB. And like, it was such uncharted territory for the community. And I felt so, I empathized obviously with, with everyone that was like, it's so anxiety inducing. And I also... I also get the wanting to show up for people and be happy when you're going through something in a crisis. And you, and then it's, it's just this weird spiral where you're like, okay, compartmentalize, 
but wait, I need to be anxious about this. But wait, also like now I'm being, and it's this war that's in your head. Whereas sometimes you just need a mom to be like, how are you doing? (laughs) Just like, let it fall, you know? Oh, I so know. And it's weird too, because you can feel when you're not being present. Like at least for me, when those things happen, I'm like, I can't get present. Like I can't snap out of it. Like usually, sometimes I can't, sometimes I can't. So yeah, anyway, yeah, mom's the best. Thank you, mom. What about you? When's when's the last time you cried? Oh, was it yesterday or two days ago? I cry a lot. Uh, it's it's a common thing. You know, for me, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't find any shame in crying at all. I also feel like it's so cathartic for me. It does come often just because I, I just, I need to like flush things out. And that's, I think the way that I do that. Yeah, the other day, I just, I felt really low self-worth and I just felt really unmotivated, even though there were so many beautiful things happening around me. And I feel very fortunate with the progress we've made with Canva and all these exciting things that are happening. I still feel fear and uncertainty and it's there's just this through line of when you're a founder where it could just all be ripped away from you and I kind of just got really like jittery about that and I got really scared I don't know just catastrophizing and just coming up with the worst possible scenarios which is you know never good so yeah I just couldn't get out of that negative headspace and I got I just felt like so just run down and burnt out and all the things and so crying to to the boyfriend and and then we watched YouTube videos and I felt so much better and I laughed and like peed my pants and it was like going back to the camp thing right it's like oh I just need more of this like I I just want more playfulness I want more silliness lightness And I don't, and maybe you have thoughts on this, like, can those two exist? Like, can startup life and being a founder, can the majority of being a founder, I'm not saying that it has to be all the time, but can even the majority of it feel that lightness? Because from what I've been doing the past year and a half, it has not felt that way. So I get worried, again, also just for myself, because if this is something, if this, if a life of lightness and playfulness and ease is something I'm after. I'm just really scared that this might not have been the right but I couldn't have been doing anything else. So I don't know. I go back and forth because I came into entrepreneurship so I could do it my own way. But I find myself still going by other people's rules. And it's really strange because the whole point of working for yourself and starting your own thing is literally to write your own path of success, your own definition of success. But I feel like we all just still fall in the trap of doing the nine to five or nine to whatever, and still looking to others to like define what our success is. So I wish and I hope I can create a life and a business where that playfulness, again, that like sense of ease, is the majority of what I build. And I honestly, I, I want to prove that that can be the case because I haven't seen it. I haven't either. I think I have a few thoughts on this. One, I think there's something about being a founder where you can build a culture in the company and the team where they experience a level of playfulness and 
lightness that maybe you won't get to experience, unfortunately, but they can. I think there's always a responsibility with being the owner and the founder, but I actually think that you can build that for others to experience and find joy in the service of creating a company in a space where others can feel that or moments of that, right? Even like a Friday happy hour where you all take like a couple hours and like get a drink and, you know, even non-alc, whatever, and just play games and chat and laugh and watch YouTube as a whole team. And that's like what you do. You can create those spaces for others. I think there's always a level of seriousness that comes with being a founder, especially when you're like venture backed and you need to like have manage other people's money. I think there's always that seriousness. One thing that I've been thinking about too, because I agree with you, like I, my life is certainly not that way now, is I don't have kids yet but I would imagine that that's the balance that I will want and I will need eventually. So like when that time comes, I hope to build my career and my life enough where I can like do the work during the day. Hopefully it's not as stressful then as it is now where it's stressful in like a different way. But then when I'm off, I'm with my kids and I'm off and we're playing and we're going to get ice cream at like a weird hour and we're like watching some movie or something. And I think that's the beauty of having a family. Like it's not necessarily for everyone, but for me, I think that's where I envision like my light and my joy and my play to come in. Being a business owner and being a founder, like, or being a GP or whatever the thing is that you're doing, GP of a fund, like it's really, really serious and it's really hard. And it's a lot of responsibility, especially if you're taking other people's money and you're employing other people. If you're having a business for yourself, it's amazing. And that's, that's sometimes not as stressful because you can just make your own choices. But like, if you're going to build something big, it's going to have a team, it's going to take other people's money. There's always going to be a level of weight to that if you're an empathetic person that like understands what you're doing. So I don't have the answer to it, but that's how I think about it. Like I'm going to build a culture where other people can feel that playfulness and lightness and joy. And then I'm going to have kids. That's how I think about it. And then I'm going to have kids to solve it for me. Yeah. I mean, I see that so much with my sister. She just had a baby. And even when I am around the baby, there is such a sense of presence. Like you literally can't do anything else if you are watching a baby or being with a baby. Like physically, like just you can't. So it's this slowdown of time kind of going back to what you said in the Switzerland hot tub, like where it's like time doesn't exist when you're looking at her. It's surreal to experience. And not that I want kids anytime soon, but it's nice to have a niece so I can kind of experience those like moments without, you know, without the stress of having a kid. It's the best of all worlds. I'm actually, I'm taking the day. So this is part of play and joy. I never take days off ever. I'm like stupid. I like... Yeah, we're going to need to work on that. We're working on that. And I've been doing the like weekends and craziness. But tomorrow I'm taking the full day off. It's a Friday. And my cousin, who I think of like a big brother to me, he, he and his wife and his daughter, who's one, one in two months, are coming into town and I'm playing with her and them all day. So... I think it's also like when those opportunities present themselves for like you to go down and see your sister and see the baby, it's like, I'm going to take a half day. I'm going to take a full day. I'm going to take a weekend and like, I'm going to go. So I think it's a, it's a good reminder. We need more play in our lives. I agree, dude. It's not fun. Like fun is so fun. Fun is fun. Fun is fun. Dare I say it. Like it's so fun. Oh my God. I love it. Oh my God. Well, this was 
so delightful. Thank you, Erica, for coming on the Dear 20-something podcast. Oh, thank you, Uh, host Maddie. (laughs) I think we fell more in love. We were already in love to start, but we definitely fell more in love. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you and see your face. And I'm so excited to see you IRL this, this weekend. I know. We get to hang out in two days. I know. Excited. Likewise, I'm so proud of you and all the work that you're doing. And I, I'm realizing like how much I'm enjoying these questions. And like I'm feeling like this should be more of the kinds of questions we ask on podcasts. A hundred percent. Like, why are we not asking these questions? These, what comes of these questions when, when you actually, you know, open up and are vulnerable, it leads to such little like rabbit holes and you just, you, you learn so much about the other person. I agree. I think, I think there's such wisdom in these questions. Yeah. You know, you're going to appreciate this and then we'll wrap. I, for Upfront Summit, which was like a couple weeks ago, as you know, it was like end of February and there was a bunch of awesome like VCs and founders in town. And I hosted like a small hang at my apartment with like 15 female VCs. Cute. And these, some of these people are like big hotshot partners. Some are like more junior investors like getting started. But like it was a great group, small, 15. And we all sat around in a circle and like asked these questions. Oh my God. And it was like crazy to see like these, I mean, often, you know, women in very male dominated industries have like a certain persona, like in life because they have to. And I respect the hell out of it. But like to see people talk about to your earlier question, how do you wish you were raised differently? Like seeing someone like talk about that and be like, you know, show their human side, I think is just so powerful. So I like this idea for like doing more of these in the podcast. Cause I think like people need to see that founders, investors, especially the people we interact with in our world, like they're human and like they don't all, all, you know, always have their stuff figured out and they have family stuff and they want to find joy and like a lot of the themes that we talked about. Yeah. I mean, stuff like this like lights me up. Like I love, I love uncovering these types of things in other people. So I'm glad you were game to, to go there. Yeah. Thanks, Maddie. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for listening. We will obviously link this series in the show notes. Definitely go check it out. I know I will be. I'm very curious now after this experience. And Maddie, can you give everyone like a quick, like where they can find you on socials and like all that stuff too? Cause I think they also might want to like watch your podcast and look at your camber content and all that good stuff. Yeah. So you can follow me at Maddie Mayo, M-A-D-Y-M-A-I-O on Instagram and TikTok. And you can listen to my podcast. It's called OKSIS Podcast with my sister Scout. We interview only women entrepreneurs, authors, influencers, just anyone that we really find fascinating. And it's very silly, very, very sisterly, which I think if you're if you're looking for that joy, you'll you'll definitely find it there. And then Camber is at Camber app on Instagram and TikTok. So if you're in the Los Angeles area and beyond, but we, we post a lot about Los Angeles things to do, places to be, restaurants and, and the like. So if you're always looking for new spots, you can do that and then download our beta app. And then for <laughs> so much. And then for 36 questions later, of course we put it in the show notes, but you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, just search 36 questions later and you can binge all the episodes now. So she's not a busy girl, clearly. You can she does nothing with her day. Anyway, okay, well thank you for coming. You're the thank best. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear 20-something. If you enjoyed it, you can give us a follow over at Dear 20-something on Instagram or subscribe here or anywhere you get podcasts. 